All right, so we're starting a brand new series um, this morning. The title of the series is called Training Plans, and this is a little bit of a different series for me um, because a lot of this that we're going to be talking about um, over the next four weeks or so are things that I've kind of experienced um, recently, and some of you know this, some of you don't, but we're going to kind of let you in on a little secret, I guess. I guess it wasn't a secret, but something that's been going on in my life for about the last eight months or so to a year, something that has honestly um, not much to do about spiritually, it has to do physically, um, but at the same time, it's something that we can take and apply to our spiritual life. I believe that God has called all of us to continue to grow, to, to not be stagnant in our faith, and we have to do that by, by working at it. It's not something that just naturally happens. It's not something that just you snap your fingers and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're growing in your faith and you're growing in your knowledge of who God is and what God's doing. It takes a plan. It takes to a, a, a time in our lives where we make a concerted effort to to be doing those things. And I really want that to happen in your life and in my life. And something similar happened to me recently. Some of you, you know this, some of you don't, but about a year ago or so, I made a decision. I sat down with my wife and I said, listen, and, and just so you know, this morning is going to be kind of a little more of an introduction of the series. Um, we're going to talk about a few things, but we'll really get into the meat more over the next uh, two or three weeks. I think it'll be about a four-week series, maybe five, um, and so we'll kind of take us into November. So this morning, I kind of want to give you some ideas about the series, kind of where it came from, but also some, some applicational things that we can take and look in this as we kind of move forward in this. But again, before we get into it, let me, let's just pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to be together. We thank you for this opportunity uh, to look at your word and study your word and grow in all the things that you desire for us to do. God, we know that you have great things in store for us. And Father, we desire to be a part of what you're doing in us and through us. And so Father, as we look at these things this morning, as we look at these things over the next three or four weeks, God, I pray that there would just be a hunger, a desire, and, and just a new birth of, 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 of a, a, a hunger to just know you more, to grow in you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's kind of go and kind of tell you where this series came from and where it all came uh, in my mind. But, but about a year ago, I went to my wife, Emily, and I, we were talking, and I said, listen, I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards something. I want to get your thought on it. She said, okay, what's that? I said, well, you know how, how I, used to, I used to ride mountain bikes a lot? And she said, well, yeah. I said, well, I'm thinking about doing this thing, and it was called uh, gravel racing. And basically, if you don't know what that is, basically gravel racing is basically you get on a bike and you ride on gravel roads, like dirt roads and things like that, and, and you, you go for a certain amount of time. And she said, okay, well, yeah, sure. She, she knew all about that sort of stuff. Her, her dad has always ridden these types of races and things like that, and I never have. But, but I was kind of like, you know, maybe I'd kind of be interested in maybe doing that. And she said, okay, well, well, where are you wanting to do that? Is there a race nearby? And I said, yeah, actually there is. I've been kind of looking into it. There's a race in, in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And I said, it'll be in August of 2021, and you have to sign up. And I was thinking about, about doing that. She said, okay, well, that sounds great. Um, what, what, are you, what are you thinking about doing? Is there, what, what kind of distances are we talking about here? 
And I said, well, there's, there's several different colors that basically you can choose from, and each color has a different distance. And she said, oh, okay. And she says, uh, what color are you thinking of? And I said, well, the black one. And she goes, oh. Now, Emily's skied her whole life, and so I think when she heard black, she typically went, oh, no. What does that mean? And she said, well, Aaron, how long is the black horse? And I said, it's 143 miles. And she said, really? And again, because she knows about stuff with her dad, she says, well, that's one thing. She says, how much climbing is there in this race? And I said, over 9,000 feet of elevation gain. So basically, from the race start to the end, you climb 9,000 feet and then over the 143 miles. And, and, and it was really awesome. My wife looked at me with that love that a wife has, even when her husband is going, what are you thinking? What are you doing? And she, she put her, if you want to do this, I'll support it. If you want to do it, we'll, we'll do this. And so I said, okay. So in December, I, I actually got signed up. The, the sign-ups were, were filled in like five minutes, so it filled up really, really quickly. And at that point, I remember it was December, uh, first week of December or so, and I remember I signed up. I had to get up really early to sign up, and I came back into bed, and I sat there, and Em was awake at this point, and she looked over, and I said, I got in. And she goes, oh, that's great. Oh, this is wonderful. And I started going, like, I, all of a sudden, like, the realness of this started to hit me, you know. And I'm sitting there going, oh, what have I done? I mean, I literally thought to myself, what have I done? And Emily looked at me and she said, you better put together a training plan or you're not going to survive this. And so from that point on, even so I was writing before that, but, but at that point I started going, listen, I need to get a plan together. If I'm going to survive this race, if I'm going to make it through 143 miles, I have to be ready because if I'm not ready, somewhere out in Steamboat Springs, that area, you could go visit my gravestone because that's where I would be at some point. And so I began this process of training. I began this process of trying to figure out what I needed to do to be ready to accomplish this great goal, this great plan that I had for my life. Uh, I, I, I wanted to show you something before we really get into it. Uh, Monica, would you throw that picture up there? This is, I don't know if you can see it real well, um, this is the race day. This is race day. This is, this is before, I believe this was about, I think the race started at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. I can't remember. And so this is me. Uh, we haven't started yet. We're getting ready to go. I'm, I, I got my pack on and I got my water and I got all the stuff. And, and I, I threw the picture up there with Easton because, you know, he makes the picture look better. Um, and so that's me getting ready to leave. Um, I'll tell you what. You have to come throughout the series uh, to see if I actually survived the race, okay? Uh, I know that's, you know, you don't know if I made it or not. You don't know if I actually survived, if this is a hologram of me or if this is actually me in the flesh. You'll have to come back and we'll maybe throw up some extra pictures uh, throughout the, the series to see if I survived. But, but, but as we get into this, really as I trained, as I got ready, as I got physically ready, I began to understand that there are some concepts and some application that will also turn and, and be used in our spiritual walk and in our spiritual training if we'll understand that and look at that. But as we jump into this, we need to look at why do we even need a training plan? Can't we just, can it just magically happen? 
I mean, wouldn't it be great if basically I could have just sat there and said, listen, I have decided I'm going to do this. I have decided that this is the choice that I'm making and I am going to ride this race and be successful and have all these things happen. I am going to do that. And then I didn't do anything. Things would have not have turned out very well. So we need to look, why do we even need one? We're going to be in 1 Timothy 4 a lot during this series. But really, the main verse that we're going to be looking at, kind of our theme verse for this series, is found in 1 Timothy 4, 8. We'll probably look at it every week, but we will also be using a lot of 1 Timothy 4. But here's what it says, 1 Timothy 4, 8. Physical training is good. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. I love that, that as Paul is writing this to his kind of young protege, Timothy, Timothy he's saying, hey, listen, listen, it's fine to, to work on your body. It's fine to be healthy. It's fine to exercise. Those things are fine. Those things are good. But training for godliness is better. And then he gives us these reasons, which is so nice. He says, listen, this doesn't just benefit you now, just like the physical training would. But this is going to benefit you for eternity. You know, I like it when people can say, hey, this is why we need to be doing this. Paul says it's good for today, but it's also good for all the tomorrows from now until eternity. And so as we desire this, as we train in godliness, as we look at these things over the next couple of weeks, we need to remember that. That this is a training regiment that God wants to put us through because God has great things for us to experience today and tomorrow. It's not just about this moment. It's about what God wants to continue to do. Let's look at Ephesians 4.11. In Ephesians 4.11-15, through 15, this is what it says. Is it up there? It's all right. There it is. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Now listen here. This is important that we catch this. Okay? Why, why, are, why am I here? What is this all about? Okay? This is what it says. This is their responsibility, meaning, meaning the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Listen, you, you kind of look at our world today, and what you see a lot of times is this type of mentality. The wind is blowing us around. We don't know what's right from left, up, and down. Why? Because we're not there yet as far as our maturing. We haven't taken the time to be equipped and to be made ready for the in the training that God has for us. So what we're seeing here is Paul is basically saying, here's what we need, and because this hasn't happened, we'll look where we're at. And so if we can get there, these things will take care of themselves. This is, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. You know what's interesting about verse 15? You hear that a lot. I want to speak the truth in love. I want to do that. But what we have to understand is to do that effectively and to do that the way God wants us to do, we need to be growing in our faith. 
We need to allow that training to come and be a part of our lives. A lot of times what we want to do is we want to do the things that are found in these scriptures. We want to grow, we want to do these things, but we're not willing to train ourselves to make those things a reality. We think at times that kind of it's just going to magically happen, that God's going to come down with his magic wand and come over to our head and go, pwong, and at that moment, we're going to all of a sudden be great and mature Christians. It doesn't work that way. It didn't work that way for me when I was training for something that was taking place physical. Because here's the thing. Here's the point you need to get. Everybody wants to do something great. But not everybody wants to train to actually do it. You go to anybody and you go to any Christian. Do you want to grow in your faith? Yes. Do you want to be more like Christ? Yes. Do you want to love more? Yes. Do you want to be more forgiving, more gracious, more, more light-giving? More, more, all these things. Everybody's going to say, yes, 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 yes. And then if I ask, what are you doing to make that a reality so many of us don't have a very good answer. So many of us think that sometimes it's just going to happen. Listen, what we see here, what Paul is trying to get Timothy to understand and us to understand is there is a process that has to take place. There is a training plan that God wants to put in place in your life and in mine to make that happen. I remember, again, we're going to go back and forth from... from from kind of spiritual application to kind of what I experienced in the physical. I remember I went on their website, the, the, the gravel race website, and I kind of started to look at it because I was like, okay, what's the race going to be like? What, what, are there videos I can see? What kind of tires do they think I need on my bike? And all these sort of things. And there was one section, and actually this is where we got the name for the series, and you could click on it, and it was literally called Training Plans. You click on it, and it would basically walk you through, okay, here's what you need to do. If you're training for this race and this amount of mileage, you need to be doing this every day or every week. They were about week by week. And so we had to, I would sit there, and I would look at it and go, okay, am I training enough? Am I getting ready enough? Am I willing to do the things that are necessary to make that happen? As we kind of continue this morning, we're going to kind of look at kind of a game plan. We're going to kind of look at uh, a, a kind of a, a starting of this series a little bit and understanding what God's training plan for you and me, where it really comes from. Over the next several weeks, we'll look more in depth. Again, this is kind of a 30,000 foot view of the series. But here's the thing. The training, we have to be trained, but the training that comes, there is training that comes from God's word. Okay, if you want to look and you, Aaron, where is the training plan at? We start in God's word. We have to. Because if we don't, we're going to be kind of pulling things out of other things and from other places. It's got to stand on the authority that comes from God's word. And we're going to, as we look at these next couple points, we're going to look at a verse that, some, that many of you know. But a lot of you probably really don't know exactly what Solomon meant when he wrote it. And so it's important that we catch this. You're going to probably recognize this verse, but it's in Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, 18a gives us a little bit of the game plan that God has, a little bit of the training that we need to look at. And here's what it says. Proverbs 29, verse 18a, it's the beginning. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. 
Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Now, a lot of you have heard this verse with a slightly different uh, translation. It'll say this, where there is no vision, the people will perish. In, in, in the church in the last 20-so years or so, man, we've jumped on that. It, and we've grabbed a whole, oh, look, 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 we got to have vision. we got to have direction. we got to have this idea of a visionary leadership. Because if we don't, people are going to die. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying I disagree with that. But that is not what Solomon wrote here. Okay? I, I'm sorry to kind of tell you that. Okay? This is not what Solomon wrote. Solomon was writing something Different. You see, here's what we need to look, and this is in your notes. The Hebrew word hazan means God's revelation and not visionary leadership. What he is really writing here is this. He's basically saying where there is no revelation from God, where there is no God's word, where there's no understanding of who God is, at that point, people begin to cast off restraint. At that time, people begin to perish. What we need, hey listen, I'm not saying we don't need some, some vision. I'm not saying that we don't need a direction or a plan. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying here is it needs to first and foremost come from God's revelation and God's word. Listen, I've, I've looked at a lot of churches. I've studied a lot of churches. I've looked at a lot of places. And I'm just going to be honest. I'm not going to tell you who or where or whatever. But there's some people and there's some churches that got some really great sounding visions that aren't biblical at all. They sound really good. They look really good up on the wall. But they're not based in God's revelation. They're not based in God's word. Listen, if you want to train, you've got to start there. If you want to know how God wants you to train, you've got to start there. A lot of times we have this, this thing, why don't we train? Simple, we don't know where to start. I'm giving you the starting point this morning. The starting point is always God's word. Because if we're training any other way, we're not going to be as effective as God wants us to be. And it can change us, and it can mold us, and it can help us. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. This is what it says. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. There's that word, training. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped... For every good work. Listen, hear me here. I think and I believe this strongly. I believe a lot of Christians want to do some great things for God. But they haven't trained. They're not equipped. You see, here's the thing. You remember the picture that I just showed? At the beginning of the race? What if, if I had that picture and there I was, I had my pack, I had, I'm ready to go. I'm sitting there with Easton, got my helmet on, but I didn't have a bike. How would that have gone for me, do you think? I had to be equipped with the right equipment to accomplish the goal that I had. A lot of times, hear me here, a lot of times Christians, because they have not done the things that they needed to with God's word, they basically say, I want to do something great, but they don't have a bike to do it on. Sometimes we have to understand that God's word equips us to accomplish those things. We've had to understand that. It equips us. But not only that, it does more. Look at Hebrews 5. In Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, listen to what it says. 
you, are, you have been believers, listen, this is important, so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Again, this idea of equipping and working in that, doing good works, being a part of that. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. Now listen here, it doesn't say you need to be equipped again to do better in this area or that area or how we do the slides or how we do the music or how we do the kids or whatever. It's simply saying you need to once again learn about God's word. What do you know about God's word? Because listen, he says because of that you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. 13, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. This is important. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training doesn't happen naturally, just doesn't happen automatically. Through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Listen, isn't it interesting that as you look at our world today and our culture today, we have really lost in a lot of ways the, the concept of what's right and what's wrong. What becomes right and what's wrong is based on what you feel in that particular moment. We have longed for, to grow we, and we have missed the fact that to really do that, we need God's word. We need to understand God's word. We need to digest God's word. We need to take in God's word. We need to be able to do that. It's important. But there's another part of this verse in, in Proverbs 29. And this is what it, let's look at that. Let's say, but there's also training that comes from restraint. Okay? There's training that comes from restraint. Okay, in my last eight months, I learned this really, really well. And we'll look at this in just a second. So again, Proverbs 29, 18a, where there is no revelation, where there is no God-breathed word, people will cast off restraint. Now, that, that's a word that we're not necessarily accustomed to. It's not a word that we, we know, but there is a word and a portion of scripture that you recognize very well. Let's look at it. Galatians 5, 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the last one is and self-control. There is no law against these things. What is self-control? It's easy. It's restraint. It's restraint. Now, listen, I know this isn't a real popular one, okay? When people rattle off the fruit of the Spirit, man, they like that love. They love that joy, that peace, patience, eh, kindness, eh, goodness. Okay, yeah, faithfulness, all those things. But you know what? Self-control is the last on the list and usually the last one, the one that people want to focus in on. But for you to be trained the way God wants you to be trained, you have to understand that this idea of self-control and restraint is vital. It's not optional. It's vital. Look at this. I like this translation in Galatians 5.23. This is the New Living Version. It's a paraphrased version of the Bible, but I, I just liked how they, they came across with this idea of self-control. And so it starts with verse 23. It says, be gentle. And then this is the one for self-control. And being the boss over our own desires. 
The law is not against these things. Being the boss over our own desires. Man, if I think about sometimes people, and honestly, sometimes when I think about myself, man, that is not how I live my life. I am not the boss. My desires are the boss. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is controlling what I do and how I do it. Are you the boss of your own desires? Or does your desires control you? It's important that we look at that. But let's, let's look at some examples. Let me give you some, some examples of, of restraint that, that some of you have experienced in your life. How many of you, don't raise your hand, just, just think about it. How many of you have ever had a budget before? You know a budget? Oh yeah, yeah, I like budgets. Yeah, you know what a budget is? It's a restraint. What do you think, what a budget is, is basically you sat down and we're going to spend this money here and we're not going to spend this money here. And I know it's very simplified, but basically that's, a budget is a restraint. We're not going to spend money here, we're only going to spend money here. You have a plan and a training plan in a lot of ways for your finances. That is what a budget is. How many of you have ever been put in restraints? Okay, nobody raised their hand. Good. Okay, that was, that was good. Now, I know this because Alan was a police officer for a very long time. I guarantee you Alan put people in restraints, okay? We call those handcuffs. You put somebody in handcuffs, they're restrained. They cannot do the normal things that they would normally be able to do because they're restrained, okay? Let me give you another one. How many of you have ever been on a, don't raise your hand. How many of you have ever been on a diet? Okay, what's a diet? A diet is a form of a restraint. You're saying, I won't eat this, or I won't, or I will eat this, or, or, or so on and so forth. It's, it's this idea that you're restraining yourself from the second helping of, of pie, maybe, or whatever it is. Or I'm going to restrain from, from eating sugar, or I'm, I'm going to restrain from eating the, the Starbucks, you know, frappuccino, latte, sugar, dreamland drink, or whatever they might have. It's a restraint. Another one, I guarantee you, every single one of you have experienced. Promise you, every single one. When you got in the car to come this morning, you put on a restraint called a seatbelt. We come, we get in, we put on the restraint. I remember when we were... Easton was, was, had just been born. We were in Albuquerque. He was just born, and we went, and, um, and it was time to take Easton home. And because God has a wonderful sense of humor, you know, remember, we live in Albuquerque where rain is kind of optional, basically, for most of the year. And so we're getting ready to take Easton home. And of course, we have watched all the videos and had heard all the stories about the proper way of putting the car seat in the car, the kid in the car. I mean, we, you know, we have been scared half to death that if we do this wrong, you know, his head might pop off and roll on the floorboard. So we're very already concerned about the situation. If you didn't know, obviously, this is our first child. You know, second, third children, we just throw them in the trunk and off you go. But this is first kid. So we put him in there. And we're restraining him. I mean, I mean, it's that he couldn't have moved. We could have taken the car seat and thrown it up into a tornado and he would have been fine. But then as we're getting ready to travel home, again, God's sense of humor, it begins to storm and just pour down rain. And I'm driving home, and Em is just a mess. I mean, she, slow down, this is the 
really? I mean, and I'm just kind of going along, and now I'm kind of nervous about this thing. But you know, we took all that time to restrain our kid in a seatbelt. We wanted to keep him safe. A lot of times, restraints will do that. But here's the thing. When you look at all of these things, it's in your notes. Having restraint is being willing to say no to something because there is something bigger and more important that I want to say yes to. The problem that we have with restraint, whilst why restraint is such a dirty word in our world today, is because we don't like the idea of no. We don't like the idea of self-discipline. We don't like the idea of saying, no, I will not do that. And listen, that is a part of self-control, is saying no. But there is another part. You will find it easier to say no to the things that you need to say no to if you understand that you need to be, because of that, you can say yes to the things of God. You can say yes to the things that God wants to train you in. When you say no to the things of the world, what you're really doing is saying yes to the things of God. And it's so important that you understand that. Listen, I don't know if you know this about me, but I like to sleep. Sleep is a good thing. Mornings are not of God. I do not like mornings. I'm not fond of those things. But you know what? I had to do something to train for this race. I had to start getting up early. I had to start getting up before I really needed to so that I could go down in the basement and get on a bike trainer or so that I could go for a ride. You know what I was doing? I was saying no to sleep, but I was saying yes to training. I was saying no to more rest, but I was saying yes to what I wanted to accomplish. And I promise you, this was going through my mind. I woke up, I'm not happy, it was the last thing I wanted to do, but I started thinking to myself, man, that race is coming, 143 miles is coming, 9,000 feet of elevation gain is coming, you better get out of bed and get to work. I had an understanding that the, the, the idea here was I was restraining one thing for something greater. See, I could sleep the rest of my life, but I wouldn't have an opportunity to accomplish a great goal if I wasn't willing to get out of bed. Remember, I was in college, maybe high school, doesn't matter. And, and, you know, just to kind of get you an idea of how things necessarily haven't really changed in our world. I remember, um, and, and I'm going to say, I'm pretty sure, and if I'm wrong, forgive me, but I think Keith Green. Remember Keith Green? And, and he was before my time. Um, I don't know when he died. I think he died in a plane crash or something. But um, he was a Christian artist singer and I just remember him playing the piano and and I, that and I remember really getting introduced I think it was in college because I, I think my roommate had had some of his CDs and I just remember this guy with this big beard and, and kind of an afro on the cover you know and, and he was playing and he had a song and I don't remember exactly what the song was and maybe you would recognize it if I played it for you but but in the, one of the songs it said something to the effect of that Christ rose from the dead and you can't even get out of bed I mean, and that, that was very convicting for me as a person who likes to sleep. Because in some ways, what he was saying is we're saying yes to our desires and we're saying no to what God really wants to do in us and through us. 
You see, we need to understand that part of this growing, part of the training is not going to be easy and it's not necessarily going to be a lot of fun. It wasn't fun to get up at six in the morning and go downstairs and ride a stationary bike for mile after mile after mile. It wasn't fun, but there was a goal in mind. There was a plan in mind. There was something greater that God desired to do in mind. And God has that for you too. I mean, yeah, we're talking about a bike race here a little bit, but you need to understand God has great things in store for you. So much greater than any type of thing here on this earth as far as a race or anything else. God has something great, but you know what? It's going to take training. So many of us don't want to train for those things, but God is wanting us to understand. And here's the other thing. Some of us, we, we, we kind of got the first point down. We know our Bible, we know what God says, but sometimes the restraint is the issue. Sometimes the restraint, see, sometimes, it's in your notes, sometimes the reason why we're not growing in godliness is because we know the revelation, but we lack the restraint. We know what God says. We know what God's word has communicated to us, but we lack the restraint. You know when I find it's the easiest to lack the restraint? when we followed God for a number of years. You realize that? When we follow God a number of years, listen, I don't know if I'm going to try to do this race again next year, but one of the issues that I know I'm going to have is this thought, you know what, I've already done this. I've already accomplished this. You know what, I don't know if I want to train again to do something I've already done. One of the things that pushed me at times was like, I've never done this before. I want to accomplish this. I want to get the, 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 the awards at the end for doing this. That pushed me. Well, now I've done it. I know what it takes. I know what the training plan is. But at this point, will I still have the same restraint to do it again? You see, here's the thing. If you're still breathing and you're still on this planet, it's because God isn't finished with you yet. I don't know what he has for you to do. It may be something amazing and very, very, you know, visible to a lot of people. It may just be that you are a prayer warrior, that God desires for you to be praying. I don't know what it is. I just know that it's not over. I know that there are more races for you to accomplish. And what I've seen in my life and the life of others is the longer we train, the longer we work, the longer we do that, we tend to kind of begin to take our foot off the gas. And we kind of say, you know, I don't know if I want to spend time in God's Word today. I know so much of God's Word today. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to serve in that area or serve that person. I don't, I don't know if I want to do that anymore because I've already been there. I've already done it. Listen, if it wasn't important, God wouldn't have called you to do it. It doesn't matter if you've done it a hundred times. It doesn't matter if you've done it a thousand times. God is putting you in that position because he needs at least a hundred and one times more. And we have to stay disciplined. We have to stay in a place of restraint if we're going to allow those things in our life to be fulfilled the way that God truly wants them to be fulfilled. So it does get harder. It does get more difficult. So we may know what the revelation is. We may know what God's word says. 
but we can't lose that idea of restraint if we really want to be training in godliness the way God wants us to do. Can I ask you a question? What, what things in your life do you think that God wants you to say no to so that you can say yes to what he wants for your life? You see, one of the issues that we have with constraint, one of the issues we have with self-control is the word control. We want the control. We want to be able to decide what the training regiment looks like and, and how much we have to train and how all those sort of things. Listen, listen, hear me here. I took that training plan that I got on that website and I kept an eye on, okay, how am I doing here? Am I writing enough? Am I doing these things? Listen, if I had been left to my own way of doing it, I would have been in trouble. Why? Not because I'm stupid, but because I didn't know what I needed to do. I needed to look to somebody else who had a greater knowledge of the race than I had. A lot of times we think that we can do it on our own. We don't want to give God the control over the training plan. God's word will say, listen, you need to do this. You need to do these things. Bomb, 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 bomb. And what do we do? We look at it and we go, you know, I like that one. We're going to do that one. Yes, Lord, that's a good one. But that one, no, 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 no. God, that one's really not for me. And we take back control. And then we can't figure out why we're having such a hard time in the race that God has placed us in. Here's the bottom line. Here's what we need to understand. Hear me here. We need to live our lives with focused restraint. Look, I know, I'm, I, I'm not ignorant, I know the world we live in. This is a tough one for a lot of people, myself included. Restraint is hard. You know what's interesting is, is, is you know, when, when you... When you, when you go and you, you, even if you go maybe to a gym and, and, and you go lift weights or, or something like that, you know, or you, you're doing something, you know what, you know what they, 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 they say, you know, you're putting resistance. You're, 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 it's trying to keep you from, from lifting that weight or, or doing that. That's hard. It's difficult. It, it, it's painful at times. You know, if you try to live a life with, 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 with removing all the restraint, listen, you're, you're going to find that, number one, you're going to be very frustrated because that's not possible. But you also need to understand that that restraint is there because it's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you experience a, a, a maturity and a growth that would not be there without it. We're going to get more into that later on in our series, but, but you need to understand restraint sometimes is God's way of strengthening you and me to accomplish that, and we need to focus on it at times. Remember I told you that, that throughout the race I was going to have to climb about 9,000 feet. Well, listen, here's what's interesting. I could have got on my bike and rode 200 miles a day on flat ground. 
well, look, look at me. I rode 200 miles a day. That's more than the races. I could have rode 400 going downhill. Look at me, 400 miles downhill, had to pedal twice. And guess what? I wouldn't have been prepared. That idea of focus, restraint had to come in my life in that area where I went and I found some hills and I climbed them. Hey, listen, just so you know, it's much more fun on a bike when you're going downhill than uphill. Uphill's not fun. Uphill is restraint. Uphill is struggling. Uphill is not easy to do. But listen, I got to be a stronger rider because I went uphill. Sometimes in our lives, God is going to come to you and he's going to say, listen, I got to train you. There's something great that I want you to accomplish. There's something great that I'm calling you to do. But you know what? At this point in time, it's going to be time to start doing some hills. It's going to be time to start getting some restraint in your life. And it's going to be hard and it's not going to be fun and it's going to be painful. And you're going to be tired and your legs are going to be sore. But listen, hear me out. When you get to the race and it's time you will never ever regret one hill you did in the training for the race in fact usually what you'll do is you'll go boy I wish I would have done just a little bit more this training plan that God has for you and for me it starts with God's word always starts with God's word but you need to understand, I want you to, listen, hear me, I want you to understand before you throw your leg over the saddle of that bike that there are going to be times when you are going to have a hard time, you're going to struggle, there's going to be restraints, you're going to have to say no to something to say yes to something better. But when the time comes and the race is there, it's race day. You're like me in that picture. You're sitting there with a smile on your face. Listen, you know why there was a smile on my face? Because I believed I had trained enough to accomplish the goal. There were people, I promise you, there were people around me who did not finish the race. And you know what's interesting? I could almost tell. Like there were guys I looked at and they were like, oh man, <laughs> They're, they're going to they're gonna win. They're, they're going to be do. And there were others that you were just like, oh, I don't, I don't know if they're going to make it. Why? They hadn't run the race. They hadn't ridden the race. What were they basing that on? The training. You see, God has great things for you, great things for me to accomplish spiritually. But listen, if you want the victory later, you're going to have to train now. We cry, God, why aren't we seeing this? God, why aren't we seeing a victory? God, why hasn't this taken place in my life? Simple, we're not training the way we should to accomplish the victory that God really has. Sometimes that's hard for us to understand in our world where things are instant. But sometimes it takes us saying, you know what? I'm going to get ready today, Lord, for the victory that's coming tomorrow. John and the worship team want to come back up. We're going to close. Oh, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you.
You know, I said it earlier, and I think it's just really true. I, 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 I really believe that so many of us, we, we desire to be used by God. We desire to grow in God. We desire to do all of these things. We, we kind of, hear me here, we kind of say all the right things, but when the rubber meets the road spiritually, we'd rather just lay in bed. We don't really want to do the things that we need to do to accomplish the things that God has for us. You know, you look at so many people in Scripture that did great things, and not all of them. We don't have all of their life story, but we have several. And, and in those that we do, you know, we tend to see training plans. We see Moses, we just finished our Exodus series. We see Moses on the backside of a desert shepherding sheep for 40 years after he ran away. We see David doing somewhat of the same thing, but he took it one step further. He, he, he knew he could kill Goliath because he'd already killed a lion and a bear as he was being trained for what God had for him. Gene spoke on it last week, but that idea of, of Peter in the boat and the fishermen. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said, you know, almost like he connected this idea of you used to fish for fish, but now you're going to fish for people? It was almost like in Peter's life, and, and obviously, you know, much more through the three years when he hung out with Jesus, but, but the training that took place from, from the time he was the fisherman till the time he was Jesus' disciple till what we see he does in the book of Acts. You see, so many of us, we do want to do great things and that's commendable, that's awesome. But unfortunately, can I just be honest with you as I look at the church as a whole, there's not a lot of people that are willing to do the training to accomplish it. They just, they just, listen, they hear me here. They just turn on the TV or the YouTube and they see the great worship leader or the great pastor or the great theologian or what, or the great woodworker. What, it could be lots of different things. And they just say, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. I want to be like that. I and and you, what you don't see is literally years and years of training to help them accomplish what looks like this so easy. They're experiencing victories today because of the training they put in yesterday. I want us all to be victorious. I want us all to have victorious marriages and have a victorious relationship with our children. I want our church to be victorious. I want our life to be victorious. I want our work situations to be victorious. And I believe they can be. But I also believe that to have the victory, we're going to have to put in the training. And I believe that every hill and every mile and every sore leg and every heartache will be worth it when we have the victory. And I believe that we will. So at this moment, would you do me a favor? Can we just bow our heads? Can we just allow God, without any distractions, without any other things in our minds, will we just ask God's Holy Spirit a simple, a simple question? It's real simple. 
kind of two parts. Number one, God, do I have a training plan? God, do I understand enough in your word to help form a training plan for me to grow in you and to accomplish and be equipped in what you've called me to do? That's the first question. The second, if you do, are you willing to live a life of restraint in certain areas to accomplish it? Are you willing to say, God, like Jesus did in the, in the garden, God, not what I want, not my desires, but what your desires are? Are you willing to be the boss of your own desires and have self-control to say no to certain things so you could say yes to the things that God has for you and me? These are honest questions that you need to have with your Creator. Because here's the thing I believe, God has got a plan for every single one of you. My plan will be different than your plan, okay? You need to understand that. My training plan won't look like your training plan. Sure, there'll be some, some things that are the same. Hear me here, the professional rider, the guy that won the silly race I was in, does not train like I train. But you know what he does that I do? We still have to ride the bike. So don't compare your training plan with other people. Yeah, there'll be some similarities, but there are going to be some major differences. You go to God, you go to God's Word, and you let Him show you the training plan He has for you. And then when He gives it to you, know that to accomplish it, you're going to have to say no to some things. But you're also going to say yes to God and yes to His plan. So Father, we come to you right now. And God, we are asking for you to reveal in our hearts the answers to those questions. Whether people are here or online, it's a simple question. It's a series of simple questions that can have a profound impact on our life and on our families and on our communities. Because when we understand that yes, God loves us exactly the way we are, but you love us so much that you want us to grow in you, that can change everything. None of us have arrived. None of us have gotten to the place where we can stop our training and stop the momentum of moving forward with you. But God, some of us need to even just, just get started. Some of us in some way spiritually need to get out of bed, get off the couch and get to work for you. And yeah, it's going to be hard. Just like if we haven't done something physically in a while. Those first few weeks, man, they're hard. But it does get easier. You do begin to see results. You begin to see growth. And although it's never necessarily easy, it gets easier than when you started. But God, I believe you have victories in marriages. I believe you have victories in families. I believe you have victories over in finances. I believe you have victories in this church and in this community. And God, if we want those victories, we're going to need to start the training today. And not just hope that one day, magically, they appear in our lives. So Father, to do that, though, we need your help. So help us. Help us, God. Help us that today, if we haven't, we start our training program. 
And if we have been, then Father, we, we once again focus hard, knowing, hey, the race is coming soon, folks. It's coming soon. And we need to keep that on the forefront. We want the victories, Father. Help us to prepare for them today so they can come tomorrow. We love you. Let's all stand. Let's have John and the team lead us in a closing chorus. afternoon and, and over the last several weeks and you know I know that that uh, for our hockey friends and hockey guys that hockey just started and obviously football is going on and baseball playoffs there's there's a lot going on and, and here's the thing there are teams that I want to win teams that I really care about winning and teams that are like hey it'd be nice if they won and, and you know but here's the thing the team that I want to win most is you. The team, the, the marriages that I want to win the most are yours. The relationships and families that I want to be victorious are yours. That is more important than a silly football game and who wins. And I want us to understand that to have the victory, we're going to have to train. Every sport, 
They have a preseason, or they have a spring training, or they have a training camp. And what do they do? They go to prepare with the idea of the victory that'll come at the end. This is kind of training camp. It's kind of putting the, the, the time in now, knowing that February's coming, or knowing that the final is coming, or knowing that the World Series is coming. And that's what God has. That's the victory. But we got to train now to get there and experience what God has. So let's put in the work in August for February. Let's put in the work in March for October so that we can experience the victory that God has for us. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to come. And, and, and this is even training. This coming together online and in person is an opportunity for more training in our heart and in our lives. But God, I do pray that in this idea, in this concept, we would spend even more time pouring over the training plan, which is your word. We would spend even more time going, you know what? I'm going to say no to that because I'm going to say yes to this. Knowing that the things we say no to are so much smaller than the great things that we're saying yes to in God. God, you're so good. We love you so much. I pray that you would help us all to accomplish those things. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Remember, this, this Wednesday we have prayer at 7 o'clock. The ladies are meeting for their book study together on Thursday. Have a wonderful week. We'll catch you soon.